so I was like confronted with all these things that I had to deal with. And I took mm-hmm. one month off from work. I, I cried every day for six months for no reasons. I just suddenly uh, remember what happened, what happened. And I'm like, oh my God. And like, literally I was having a meeting. And then after that meeting, I just went to the phone booth and grab and just sob. <laughs> I was like, what the <laughs> hell? Like, why did I cry? And then- Well, ayahuasca really opened the lion gate for you. It's crazy, oh. man. It's this, this, this grandmother's tough love, right? Like- Welcome to Beyond the Matrix with your host, Adric Suber. Have you ever wondered if this is all there is in life? What lies beyond what we were made to believe? In this podcast, we're going to uncover real human stories of those who have taken courage to go off the beaten path and live in full authenticity. We're going to challenge what you believe is possible, fuel your spirit with courage and heart with warmth to fully live your truth. So buckle up and get ready for the ride beyond the matrix. Welcome back to Beyond the Matrix. I'm your host, Adric Suber, and today we got another special guest. It's actually my first Indonesian guest after uh, many, many episodes. I finally found like a, an Indonesian that I really want to have uh, on the podcast because he's just got an incredible story to tell. He is a certified breathwork facilitator, organizational and executive coach, working primarily with post-Series A tech CXOs, co-founders, and executives to scale and humanize their leadership. He is also an all-star high achiever. Not only he graduated from Stanford with Master of Public Policy from Oxford, he was also the co-founder of an award-winning nonprofit, has traveled to 45 plus countries, worked for global startups in Silicon Valley, and works for the government, specializing in AI and ethics. So he's someone who has like really ticked a lot of the boxes and someone who from the surface looks like, wow, like he has like a golden CV. Um, but today is going to tell us a journey about like how that was all just a uh, distraction from what he was truly searching in his life. And after his spiritual journey and deep healing the work that he's done uh, for himself, he is now on the mission to connect humanity back at its core needs, love and belonging. So please join me to welcome our guest for today, Jordan Hussein. Welcome, Jordan. Thanks, Edric. Thank you for uh, being here in the podcast with us. Um, man. Let's go. <laughs> I think I just like had a goosebumps. I'm like, wow, is that my CV? Ugh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've done you've done a lot in life. Like I'm like, oh my god, I'm such a hyperachiever. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, that was the first question that came to my mind. Like having having heard this like reflected back to you what feelings came out do you feel like proud for what you've achieved do you feel like oh man like how did i how was i able to do all that in one lifetime or i'm curious what kind of emotions uh, that came out uh, yeah from you? it's a cocktail of a lot of things um fuck oops sorry can i swear in this podcast you can swear <laughs> that's okay uh, I was like, oh my God, Ooh. I, mean, I just cringe, but also I was like, damn, I was able to do that. And, and it's just a mix of pride and um, thought-provoking reflections of like, 
how did I do that? And what I was mm. looking for, like, how did I accomplish so many things? But also, what was I looking for and searching for? And I think when you mentioned my bio, it's like, yeah, I think my mission, my overachieving is, is kind of like a coping mechanism. It's like, um, it's like a shield to, to find something, to fight for something. And, and that made mm. me like, I mean, it's kind of cool when I heard it, I was like, but ugh. You know, when I, I do, I do do a lot of reflections and I coach so many people who are like me as well. And I was like, damn, I lived that journey. And, mm. and it's, it was, it was sobering now to hear it back reflect on me. Right. Know? Wow. Yeah. The reason I asked was um, from the outside, when someone, you know, read your bio, I think first two things that will come up for people will be like, like how did he manage to do all that like a certain envy will come up like i wish i could have done more <laughs> or like man this guy has done a lot like like a lot admiration will come up but in, it's interesting to hear your own uh reaction to this was like oh like you know like that was an emotional response and, and just to kind of uh highlight how I, the subjective experience is very different from what people observe on the outside yeah yeah good question um I think in my 20s or like maybe even three years or four years ago, I would have been smiling and proud of myself a lot. Mm -hmm. But now that I've done a lot of healing journey, I realize it was, it was my younger self tried to find a place in this world. And I have a lot of compassion for that guy right now. And, and I think this is why I'm not trying to repeat the same path and, um, I mean, I love, I love achieving some things. I think it's a good feeling to, right. be, to be needed, to be, to be impactful. Yeah. But at what cost why, do I want to do that, right? So I think the response was emotional because I've done a lot of emotional healing myself. And then, I mean, if, it's, if, it's, if it had been a, a rational response, it would have been my old self, which was like super you know, like logical, use a lot of the brain, trying to always be right and win an argument and then improve, uh, so not improve, to impress people and get validations externally a little bit too mm -hmm. much. I mean, external yeah. validation is important to survive in the community, but like when I use it as a source of living, mm -hmm. it was definitely draining and it took me away from what I was actually looking for. And I was not really a, I mean, I was mindful when I, I, when I turned maybe 26, 27, the journey mm -hmm. started. And I think I was telling you in a, before the podcast, the Saturn return hit, and here we are in a journey. I think they say Saturn return is like 27 to 32. And right. I think that journey has been quite a rocky one. Um, and it sobered me up. It like really um, opened my mind and my heart about what's... Wow what's going on inside you know yeah and i want to double click on something that you mentioned like yeah it's great like looking at my golden cv and hearing all this bio but like at what cost and i think it's something that many people often overlook it's easy for us to put someone on a pedestal and just really admire what they've achieved but not really understanding what has that person what did it take for that person to get to where they are? What sacrifices did this person make? 
um, what did it cost for this person? And I'm curious for you personally, um, what did it cost you? What do you realize that you have sacrificed? Uh, what do you have compromised in order to get to where you were before? Yeah, good question. Um, definitely it cost me relationships. Um, mm -hmm. And it cost me not living according to my body. Like I was very disembodied. Like mm. I really just use my brain a lot. I force myself and I just push, 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 push. So it cost me my mental health. Um, mm. It cost me like lack of, with a lack of um, calmness and, and assurance about myself. Like, you know, like when you are in that path, like it's a rat race of trying to prove yourself. It was always never enough. Mm. Like, oh, this is not enough. Oh, I got mm. my Stanford. Oh, I get my master's from Oxford. Oh, I got all these 11 scholarships. Oh, I'm this, I'm that. I get this, I get that. You know, I was even still trying to, when I was mm. working at Grab in Singapore, like at night, I was still, I was still taking Chinese classes to be advanced and proficient in wow. Chinese. It was like, what else do you want to be? <laughs> you know, like, be right. still at Jordan. Like, it, it was, it was a really interesting reflection. I was like, I was thinking even gonna do a PhD. You know, like in AI ethics. I was like, when I'm gonna stop? You know, like, and right. that was really a sobering uh, reflections. And mm. the cost that I, I mean, one big thing that I realized, I never had relationship longer than. I don't know, six to eight months because I was mm. just busy trying to, you know, achieve, you know, I was, right. I was not skilled enough in relating to other people and, and building deep relationships or costing me friendships because I was just too competitive, you know, and mm. that's not the life that I want to, you know, like live in the long term. I mean, I'm in my thirties now, like I think the, if I live long enough until 100, I've lived a third of my life trying to prove myself, right? And now right. I think I should be unconditionally loved to myself and by everybody. And I want to build community. I want to connect with people deeply. So mm. it took me, I mean, I had to take time to really reflect what, what when, I don't want to say it wrong, but what actually happened in the past that right. made me act this way and such an autopilot way of living, you know? So that's, that's, those are the costs that I got to reflect. It's basically mainly revolved around myself mentally and mm. physically, and also my relationship with other people. Mm, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And I, as I was listening to your share, I, I felt a lot of resonance and I think that's part of the reason I also, which kind of affirmed why I wanted you so much to be on a podcast. In fact, I think you're one of the first few people that was like, yeah, Jordan needs to be on my podcast because uh, I, I saw myself a lot in your journey too. Like, uh, you know, we're both like fellow Indonesians and uh, I saw myself as a high achiever as well and probably not to your standard, but I also saw <laughs> some <laughs> Don't compare yourself. That's exactly what hyperachievers do. They always look up and <laughs> feel inferior yeah. to other people. I, I feel that way, you know, even though yeah, this is that I'm above you, I still think, oh, someone else has done much more than me. You know, like that's exactly the trap, man. Like <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, let's not go back to our old pattern. But you know, you, you know what I mean. You know, we all yeah. are high achievers, and uh, 
and for and and realizing at what cost like and i and i and what you mentioned like you know relationships i never really prioritized connections in my life i didn't have a community i didn't have any close friends and all i knew was constantly chasing after significance to prove myself to get validation of others so yeah hearing your story just kind of affirm um and uh, the 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 excitement and also the why i want you so much to share this because i felt like it's um constant it's a pattern that we see a lot in a, especially in our current society where people are constantly feeling that whatever they're doing is not enough because of social media because of the selective news that we consume you hear about oh uh, a 13 year old just sold their company for like x million dollars <laughs> and feeding us with all of this information we're like fuck like what do i do what my life you know um, uh, i guess this is also what inspired you to do what you're doing right which i think is so amazing like you uh, specialize on working with uh high achievers um tech co-founders C- ceos because these are all the people who have the drive to create some and have the capacity and skills to make a meaningful change in the world but many of us are still operating from that place of lack and not enough so I feel like what you're doing is is really meaningful and impactful because if you could change that um, the mindset and the the heart where they operate from, this have will have a significant ripple effect on the things that they will create in the world and the values that they base on for what they're creating and the kind of change that we can see. And it, it will make such a difference when uh, you could change um the value system of the the founders who who have this influence and capacity to to create change in the world yeah yeah exactly um and it just happened naturally to edric like i never intended myself to be a coach um or Mm. i don't know like um bread worker or whatever you call it like whatever modalities that i'm doing right now i just i know my task is to to help people um heal um, whether it's to intellectually or emotionally, there's multiple ways of, of entering someone's heart. And mm-hmm. I realize I'm just really comfortable with coaching because it provides me, it's sort of, sort of like cognitive framework on how to think about stuff and then go down to the heart. Because a lot of us hyperachievers are so disconnected from our body. Like mm-hmm. we probably suppress a lot of emotions because we wanted to survive. It's a coping mechanism to live in this world, right? A lot of mm-hmm. hyperachievers tied their self-worth and self-esteem to what they can achieve. So they were mm-hmm. looking for love and validation from other people who do not see them when they were kids and when they were growing up. Yes. And it, they were conditionally loved. That's why it's never enough. It's never enough because they haven't fixed that. Like, I think mm-hmm. one way to, one big solution, I mean, it's so simple, but it's really hard to, to practice is to first unconditionally love ourselves and then demand that from other people you have to unconditionally love me too and it's really hard to to have that sort of interpersonal relationship with other people I mean because maybe you haven't done that enough to yourself I have only started the journey for maybe about three years now I still struggle to unconditionally love myself I still cry a lot with my coach my therapist like oh my god it's really hard to unconditionally love myself I feel like this is not tell me about it yes so no matter how, I mean, I'm definitely maybe ahead of some people in the, of the hyperachievers, but I'm still on that journey. 
you know, I think it humbled me to always work with other people because it just reflects me. I'm like, oh my God, I've come far away from that path. And then I will, I can help people do the same. It's like, you know, yes. when I, I see coaching, usually it's like you climbing a mountain and you've climbed a little bit like higher altitude. And then you have people on the bottom to, to, to go up with you. And I think mm. that's my role. It's like, I will keep climbing more and more sort of like, Ter like uh, like higher terrain with like higher altitude it's gonna be challenging it mm. may be lonely maybe isolating but it's so rewarding and healing that i can use that gift to help people who are not starting their journey yet and then get them in the same in the same place with me you know and i think yeah. that's where i feel a bit inspired by my my, my work right now it's just like damn like people yeah. can change you know like people can i mean it's not 100 percent like completely but there is an awareness at least to actually change course you know mm -hmm. so yeah that's that's where i would like to reflect on what you just said yeah i mean it's just important what you're doing is really important work um changing someone's belief system and getting them to that level of awareness um that what they're trying to do all this while i could speak to myself like having done my inner work and and reflecting on my journey and realizing all this effort to like achieve and get accomplishment to get recognition is all just uh, a disguise to for my desire and my need to be loved mm. and i mistaken all this recognition as significance as being loved while it's all conditioned love and what we want as you highlighted is unconditional love for ourselves and to, to, to ask that from others too. And to realize that we are not, we don't have to do anything to feel like we're deserving of love. Like our existence alone, our being is already a miracle. And that alone is, it, we, our being is love already. And there's not, not, nothing that we need to do to prove that we're enough because we at the at the at the heart is already whole to begin with we're born with this type of wholeheartedness and 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 beauty but because of the conditioning of our society the because of the information that we're seated in our consciousness as we grew up we created this concept uh, and belief that we have to prove ourselves that we're worthy of something to to be loved so i think jordan what you're doing it's really important work to get people to that deep level of realization that we are uh, love and we need to unconditionally love ourselves and that's what is that is the real truth uh, from all this um, chasing that many people are doing um, yeah. and I kind of want to go back to your kind of hero story origin story because again like uh by all standards as uh indonesian you you've accomplished a lot in life and i'm curious like what was your background and what was your connection with your family what inspired this uh old uh high achiever jordan to be constantly on this hyper growth mode to be constantly achieving a lot to prove yourself like what was what happened you mentioned that you did a lot of healing uh what were you healing from um and what was that source of this constant uh, drive to achieve yeah well 
Ooh, let's let's get back to the roots. <laughs> yes, let's get to it. Um, I, I'm I'm so glad that I've done enough work that I will hopefully not break down in this podcast. <laughs> uh, I've I've cried enough, I've screamed enough, I've wailed and wept enough to now talk about it calmly. Mm-hmm. Um, eh, let's okay. Let's where should we start? Well, I also. I'm suspicious now. Hyperachieving is also genetical. <laughs> I think, I think I inherited that from my dad as well. Um, from a lot of work that I've been doing with my coach and therapist, and one of the big key thing that I have to f- fix or not fix, improve or like reflect on is my relationship with my dad. And I realized having conversation with him, he struggled the same what I struggle with. And I'm like, damn, I think. I'm just like my dad, you know, and I don't know if you heard of this theory called epigenetics, like whatever yeah. you sort of like experience in life. So including trauma can be stored in the body, in the DNA and passed down to your sperm and our eggs. And then it will mm-hmm. basically pass down to your children. Right. Yeah. And now I realize how much alike I am like to my dad. And, and I think that's the work that I need to stop. Like, I don't want to repeat what my dad did. I mean, I love him dearly. And I'm, mm. I'm learning to love him unconditionally as well. So for the fact that he was so overachievers and trying to please others and then all of that, I want to stop that cycle. And my background, I think why I started with my dad, because I become hyperachievers because I thought I was inspired by him. I was like, wow, he did, I mean, he's a famous lawyer in Indonesia. He did a lot of pro bono work. He got covered in magazines. He mm. He's like quite active uh, in organizations and people know him. Like he's a respectable person. Um, and he even mm. has his own Wikipedia page. And I'm like, oh my God, like maybe um, if I don't stop uh, this hyperachievers, like I would have this at <laughs> the same page <laughs> by my 35 or by my 40s. But I'm like, do I want, that path like do i want to right. be, like known like hey maybe i do but like in what way do i want to be known for right so it's definitely he as a person it's definitely like a reflect a reflection for me when i start my healing um mm. so he came from a, a province in well a village in sumatra where you are also from like i think we're both sumatrans um and he, at the age of 15, he left his village to go to Jogja in Java to, to go for high school because his family is a family of merchants and he wanted mm. to be a lawyer. So at the age of 15, can you imagine that? Like he took a, he wow. went on a boat in the, seven, in the 70s. It was a boat. There is, there is, a flight was really expensive and probably only affordable for the rich. Like he took the boat from Sumatra to Java. And he always wow. reminisced like, oh my God, I was sleeping in the toilet for three days. It was really sad. My mom dropped me at the port. Da, da, da. It was just like a dramatic story. He always recounted to me and my siblings. Right. It kind of inspired me. I mean, little did I know I follow his path. Like at the age of 18, I went to the US to study at Wesleyan as a liberal arts college with scholarship, right? So a path that I'm walking mm. like is exactly almost similar to what he did. Um, and mm-hmm. but I, and I do you feel that that, that pressure I, came from yourself, um, your own observation, like, oh my no, God, my I dad. No, I think it, it, came, it, came, it came from myself that like, if I don't know how I built this awareness inside myself, like if I don't follow his path, will I still be loved? 
-hmm. you know i think there is that right. pressure yeah. that i put on myself yes. like he always said when i was a kid like this is my story i would love my children to be fluent in english i would like my children there is these expectations that right. never um that is never um disclaim there's no disclaimer to it like mm. he never said like if you don't do this like i will still love you right i think that's what i really wanted to hear when i was a kid that i am love so but kids mm. are kids brains are so are so um sensitive i don't know what's the right word it's not neuroplastic necessarily because our brain are always neuroplastic kids brain are like a like a mm. membrane that is super spongy right so it will absorb and internalize whatever it was exposed to and i think my in my early seven eight nine years of living in this planet there's too much too many things that happened that i could categorize as trauma right now that i felt sort of like serve as the foundation on how i see the world what do i mean by mm. that it's like if you experience conditional love or emotional manipulation or lack of emotional intimacy you will always think that's the mm -hmm. way you're going to emotionally connect with other people your relationship and our relationship with our parents usually in large proportions determine our relationship with other people men and women yes. so your relationship with your dad is going to determine your relationship with your male friends your male boss your male colleagues your your male counterparts, mm -hmm. and then your relationship with your mom will determine your relationship with your female friends, your spouses, your wife, whatever it is, right? And I realized mm -hmm. I was pretty fucked up in that department. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can laugh about it because I was like, damn, I did not have the emotional intimacy that I wanted. And I'm also a very sensitive person, so I took everything deep to my heart, and mm -hmm. I, just, I just felt a lot and and because of that like i converted into into like a i converted into like a into a fortress so i protect my heart so much that mm. i don't want to open it up to other people and i don't want to be hurt i don't want to be seen weak emotionally that i just armor up and then become super smart super intellectual and think that the way to be love is to be intellectually smart not to be vulnerable or to be emotionally you know, mm. like um, emotionally intimate or needy. And I don't want to say needy, emotionally um, open. I was not emotionally mm -hmm. open. I was sensitive, but like I was not emotionally open because I know I will be heard. And because right. I, could, I, I could feel that because I was so sensitive. And then I, because I was maybe unintentionally hurt by my parents emotionally, that mm. I just close up. And then like maybe the way to connect with them is to be achieving, right? So since I was, I don't know, maybe like five or six, like I was number one in, in elementary school, always continued until I was 18. Like I'm always the smartest in the class, like maybe number one, number two, and never go far away from number one, number two, or number three, like always number one, won so many awards, win so many competitions. Like, like I was just that kid who's like persistent, like wanting to prove everybody that like, look at me, look at me, look at me, you know, I, I was right. doing, I also was doing music, sports, and everything, man, arts, like, just to be uh, all, like, just to be versatile, and just to be, you know, all around achievers, you know, yes. and I thought at that time, I was like, I want to do it, because I want to get scholarship, because I want to leave Indonesia, because Indonesian 
educational system was so broken. I mean, maybe right. that was true, but maybe it was morely just my rational. On, right, on you're trying to, get, to justify. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the highest yourself, love of yeah. my parents, right? And they were so proud of me. They did. I loved them for that. But I think when I turned 26, 27, I just realized, oh my God, they only love me because I went to Oxford. I went to Stanford. Like, and I just started mm. having this mini crisis when I went to graduation, my Oxford graduation in the UK. And then I went back to Stanford to continue my study. I mean, that's very privileged, right? To be able to like fly around and then like go to this prestigious institution in the world and realize mm. you're so empty inside. And I was like, what's wrong? That something must have been wrong here, but I couldn't really point it. You know, I couldn't really decipher what was the cause. So yeah. if I could reflect like, Yes, I'm privileged right now. I'm maybe like 0.001% of Indonesian who have these pedigrees. Mm. But I came from the bottom too, you know, like, and I think, I don't know what my mission now with regard to Indonesians is, is it to inspire people to just be, you know, confident with who they are or to inspire them with achievements that are not, you know, like not dragged by a baggage. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where I'm, I'm, I'm trying to sort of like find my niche right now and then find my my mission. I mean, I think achievement is great. It's 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 really good for your self-esteem, but I don't want it to be the only source or ingredients to yes. make you love. Right. Yes. So, yes. yeah, I don't know, like if, if that it really is where um, my sort of like hyperachiever came from, but definitely it was this it was this deep, deep craving for for to mm. for love and for being seen for who I was. Yeah. And I think I was struggling a lot with that. And I was just trying to be hyper competitive and be perfectionist. And this is one thing that I'm still unlearning right now is how mm -hmm. do I accept myself regardless of whatever I do, right? I think there mm. are twin there are twin siblings, this hyperachievers and 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 perfectionists. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, I'm still unlearning and I've, I've gone far, far away from that. Um, I mean, mm. But there's still a lot of work to be done on that front. And, mm. and I, 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 I'm doing this training right now in positive intelligence and mental health. And we call it saboteurs. A lot of our saboteurs in life, including hyperachievers, hyperrational, perfectionism, people pleaser, victimizers, um, what else like um avoider like all the saboteurs that we had is is based on fears and that's yes. based on things that we learn from society and based on what we suffer from mm -hmm. in childhood right and now i want to convert it into love love yes. for myself love for other people love for innovation love for actions love for exploring things love for curiosity instead of like love for um, validations so that's mm -hmm. what i'm still now learning to 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 implement myself and help other people go to go uh, do the same work is how do we mm -hmm. convert all the fears that we have fear of not being loved fear of not belonging yeah. fear of not enough to love for curiosity love for ourselves unconditionally mm. it's really really easy to to talk about it right now it's cognitively yeah. sensible and makes sense but it's it's challenging to i don't want to say it's impossible it's just challenging it just comes with a lot of challenge to implement it on a day-to-day -day basis because it's sure so it ingrained in the brain and it's so yes. embodied in your body that it's just so easy to regress to the autopilot mode to that default yeah. mode of, of perceiving the world with this saboteurs that we had 
right? Yeah. So I think that's where where it is where it started and where it's going right now. Mm, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and personal story, Jordan. Um, I I can find a lot of points where I could relate to. I'm sure a lot of the audience could. And uh, growing up in this type of society that uh, kind of really rewards achievements as well. I think you pointed out a few really key nuggets. One is realizing that achievements is not everything and and how you really humbly pointed out that there's more to life than just achievements but um we we are living in a society that put material achievements above a lot of many other things that i argue are more important than what we're constantly trying to acquire for ourselves where uh, we are not we are undermining and undervaluing um, love community friendships um, being in service all of these things that I believe play such a big role in our well-being a sense of meaning and the the hap- and and going a step above that like the the good for the humanity and the world um, and we're blinded and we think that constantly making more money constantly achieving will add up to that uh, happiness but there's more to that that we often uh, overlook and the other thing that I think you pointed out was this concept of operating from the place of love or fear and even though someone could be chasing after the same thing the source of that creation could make a mild difference in 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 what they're creating what impact that they will leave in the planet um, if someone is creating a startup because of the fear of not being enough and the fear of not being loved and that's why he was constantly trying to to exploit the platform grow users at whatever cost versus when this person is creating a company from the place of love love for humanity love for the planet the love for just growth and uh personal growth and the the betterment of others the product uh even though there two people could be working on the same thing and the if but because of the place where they're creating the product from is so different the what what company or product that came out of that would be so different in terms of um, what they're servicing, what type of impact will they and legacy will they leave in this planet? Um, so thank you for pointing that out. I think it's um, it, it's difficult to understand because from the outside, uh, people could be working on similar things, but the mentality, the mindset, uh, whether they're coming from a place of love and heart-centeredness, that is often easy to uh, overlook but it's super important to to get clear alignment with the source of motivation of what what someone why someone is doing what they're doing exactly yeah exactly that's i think that's really poignant to 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 point out like these two people can do this the same thing um externally it looks amazing but internally mm-hmm. are they suffering from Yes. Not enoughness, or they're actually loving what they do and then they respect themselves and then they take care of themselves and they still maintain things that are really important in life, right? 
I had a lot of discussion with my Stanford friends now. We're five years off graduation, and then we're going to have a union next year. And we we're just like, a lot of us are contemplating. I'm like, man, look at all these people who like make millions of dollars. Like, I wonder if they really love their job or they just suffering, right. even though it looks amazing. It's not a criticism of like jealousy or comparison. It's just really just a deep, deep reflections. And because right. I was like, maybe I was on the way making that much not really there, but like, I'm already suffering from not being able to enjoy the money that I made. Like, right. I was like, it's like, how much more money do I want to make and save to feel great every day? Like, I'm right. only, I think I was already making a lot of money and I didn't make any improvement in two years. I was like, what's wrong? You know, and I think that's, <laughs> that's, where, that's where the reflection came in. And I realized it's amazing to have millions of dollars and then to be financially independent. But I think right. it's much more important for me right now. I don't know if this resonates with other people to be in the place, to be coming from the place of calmness and security and assurance. Mm. And I think that's where I'm trying to nail down as well. It's like, how do I wake up every day feeling enough and feeling abundant at the same time? I don't like this concept of like abundance mindset that people mm. always try to proliferate in the media and social media and the coaching community. Abundance right. mindset is a privilege to have because if you ever feel a struggle in your life economically, which I did, I mean, I, I finance all my education with scholarships. That's the other thing that like, I was just like, how did I do that? Like if I could accrue up all my scholarships worth, it's about almost half million dollars. I didn't even know how to do that. Like I realized it's a trauma that's stored in the body, like poverty, financial lack. It's, it's a lived experience that it's stored in the body. If you never sort of, rewrite that narrative and let go of the emotional baggage that came from poverty it's really really hard to be in an abundance mindset right so mm. it's it's a lot of work to be done as well on how to let go of that emotion that that i don't know like mental mental poverty that tied to the mm -hmm. wealth creation that we want to have so right. i'm also learning on that path i'm like when now i'm working for myself like how do i operate from a higher place of self-worth and self-esteem because before right. I was tied to salary I was tied to scholarships and grants and I just realized damn when I have to sort of start charging people for my for my work and in, in, in coaching I'm like I cringe and I had goosebumps and I was just like break down I'm like oh my god I can't even charge a thousand dollars like <laughs> and I was like <laughs> making like I don't know multiple of that in a, in a company but like how how it's so jarring and it's just so paradoxical to to have that experience i mean i and then i talked to my therapist it's like well mm -hmm. clearly you have some what is it what what did she call um a poverty mindset like uh yeah. money trauma they say money trauma i'm like oh my god like what other trauma do i have in my life my trauma <laughs> Like money endless. Trauma? really money can traumatize you i'm like clearly yes. yeah yeah so i just realized yeah, i yeah. adopted some of the money mindset from my dad from the family i grew up in i mean my family is middle class and then it was at some point an upper class for three years and my dad suffered financially too and then so i was like in the ups and downs and the roller coaster of money sort of money mm. creation so i never had a very what is it like stable relationship with money i had to mm. clear that off you know and then now i mean like thankfully and gratefully i i i have i live comfortably and then i could sort of like comfortably charge people and then like mm. also take clients 
And I think that came from a lot of work inside. It's inner work on clearing that, yeah. that mind trauma that I had in my brain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's really important. You could be making like millions of dollars, the most money in the world. But if mentally and spiritually you don't feel abundant, like you always feel poor no matter how much exactly. money you make. Exactly. Yeah, a, exactly. The difference between objectively how much money you make with like internally and subjectively, like how do you, how how abundant do you feel inside um and i i'm curious in your journey was there a specific shift that made you really rethink um everything like what why because you mentioned you did a lot of inner work but i'm just wondering was there a specific event that triggered all of this uh deep work and going into this rabbit hole of like unlearning all of this uh toxic pattern of overachieving yeah, I mean, I told you, man, it's had to return. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, it coincided um, with my 30th birthday. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it is clearly a Saturn return. I think I, I believe in that astrology. On that. I, I was very skeptical about astrology until someone yeah. read my chart and I'm like, oh, shit, everything is so accurate. <laughs> like, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, um, it's... When I turned 30, I think that's where I already achieved a lot. Like, oh, I've made this amount of money. I have these degrees from prestigious institutions. I've dated this kind of people. I've traveled around the world, but like, I still feel empty. I'm like, what's mm. wrong? Like, I just, I, just, I just needed that refresher and then restart in my life. And then, so I went to Bali on uh, mm-hmm. my 30th birthday with my best friend. And then I just, you know, prayed to the universe. I'm like, oh, please. I think in my next decade, my my next decade, I want to live a life with these intentions, like uh, calm, peace, whatever, like all this like really positive emotions that I mm-hmm. never really thought I had. And man, six months later after that birthday, everything was turned upside down to really make me realize. Wow. And so I did this retreat in in Costa Rica. Uh, it's a plant medicine with ayahuasca, temascal, rape, like all this like indigenous American, uh, Amazonian um, tread, um, medicines. Uh, it's a plant mm-hmm. medicine. I mean, people call it drugs, but I call it medicines really because yeah. I don't think I'm addicted to it because it's yeah. just, it's, a, it's a really, really bad, bad experience. I mean, not bad experience. It's a really bad um, sensations in the body right. like it's not that i want to do it every week yeah, it's, <laughs> like, not, it's not like something you're constantly seeking exactly. to get to, like to, to no, good. no 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 yeah. i don't want to do it's that hard work yeah it's I a lot of hard it. work so i did i did drink ayahuasca i did take rape i did the temascal the sweat lodge in in costa rica i did breath work shamanic breath work and i was like I was no, I had no idea about what it was. I just follow my friend's path and then his life changed. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like I'm always for I'm always done for adventures. I'm like, I never tried that. Right. I, mean, I never wow. tried any drugs in my life. Like um, yeah. but that doesn't look like a drugs because it's plant medicine. So maybe it's vegan. <laughs> so I was like, maybe this is something cool to try. And right. I was so naive. It just changed my life, turn it upside wow. down. So in ayahuasca journey and in my shamanic breath work, in my rapid, my sweat lodge, I discover a lot, a lot of 
things in my life, including all my emotional, physical, sexual, psychological trauma that I that I mm. suffered when I was a kid and when in the first seven, eight years of my life. And then it's true that the first seven years of your life is the most golden moments and in, in your brain mm-hmm. to develop because pretty much 85% of your brain will have been shaped by the time you have uh, reached nine. So mm. that pretty much like, you know, give 15% chance of rewriting everything in your brain. I mean, it can be still rewritten only through different modalities, which is like repetitions or like, this is why you do a lot of affirmations and hypnosis. Mm-hmm. This is what people, mm-hmm. uh, this is why people do a lot of hypnotherapy. Yeah. Um, so I was like confronted with all these things that I had to deal with. And I took mm-hmm. one month off from work. I, I cried every day for six months for no reason. So I just suddenly uh... remember what happened, what happened. And I'm like, oh my God. And like, literally I was having a meeting. And then after that meeting, I just went to the phone booth and grab and just sob. I was like, what the <laughs> hell? Like, why did I cry? And then- Well, ayahuasca really opened the lion gate for you. It's crazy, oh. man. It's this 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 grandmother's tough love, right? Like yeah. medicine. Love, medicine. Yes. It was yeah, really like- grandmother's tough love. Like I yeah. had to- I mean, I'm sensitive, but I don't really cry easily. I tough it up. Mm-hmm. Like I would just like hold it. I never really cried um, because I know it's a sign of weakness. And then I realized yeah. in ayahuasca, I just couldn't stop crying for eight hours. I'm like, why am I crying? And then she, she I mean, the way I perceive the medicine is through audio. I'm not a visual person. And right. she told me, well, my dear, you haven't cried for so long. And this is why you needed to cry this long. I'm like, oh my God. Like it was, it was, yeah. it was, it was like shocking. Not shocking, but it was more like, oh my God, I haven't cried that long, huh? It's so true. And then it was just yeah. I just kept crying for six months, dude. Like it was intense. Like I wow. Like it 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 definitely also what is it like shook the way I see the world, the way I see my job, the way I see my role. And that's why I think a year later, I took a sabbatical from corporate world. And, and that's where mm. everything changed. Like, I think since that ayahuasca journey, I started diligently look, uh, look for therapy and coaching. Um, mm. I did a lot of therapy um, before that I did, but it was, I was just like, you know, came and came and, came and went, like, I didn't really, I didn't really go to seek therapy every every month, but since ayahuasca, like my therapy has been consistent for almost one of every three months or every month, mm-hmm. sometimes in a period of three months every week. Um, mm-hmm. Because there's just so much I have to unpack. Like, yeah. like I there's so much that happened in my childhood that I was like, oh, that's why it happened. Oh, that's why I did hey. it. And this is why Adele's new 30 albums really hit me. <laughs> I was just crying last week listening to all her songs. She dedicated Sticking her album for, the generation. for 30 Exactly. She said, I'm going to make album for 30, 40 something who are doing therapy. I'm like, yes, girl, you really hit on, like you really hit hard on my core. Um, yeah. So I think, and that's the other thing that I, I witnessed in the whole plant medicine ayahuasca scene is like, some people actually are addicted to this medicine because they're running away from the work they have to do. You have to work on the wounds that you had. All of us yeah. live in this planet. 
with a lot of wounds, with a lot of trauma. It's just inevitable. Like Buddha said, life is full of suffering, right? Yes. And in, even in, in Islam, in Christianity, there's always a verse that talk about healing. Like, mm. like we have to heal from the things that wounded us because life is just like that. Like life is just- Yeah, it's it it part of life. Suffering is part of life. Right. There's and no then if your nervous system and your body never learn how to cope and co-regulate with the things that hit you, you're yeah. going to be wounded. Right. Yeah. And then like, sadly, only about 40% of kids in this planet, I forgot where the statistic came from. Oh, oh yeah. Attachment theory. Only 40% mm. of children in the planet live with securely attached parents. Right. Uh, yeah. What does that mean? That means 60% of us grew up with parents who did not know how to co-regulate their own emotions. Yeah. They, they still act from their own childhood trauma themselves. So this is why intergenerational trauma exists. It passed down to generation to generations. Yeah. And they, it's, not, it's not their fault. They did their best what they knew. And this is yes. where forgiveness comes in. This is where I'm now looking at my parents who in different lands. I used to be so angry at them. And now I'm like, well, they did their best and I love them and loving them doesn't mean I have to sort of like embrace them unconditionally either. Like I have to have boundaries because at some point they couldn't really relate to me the way I want them to be related to me, you know? So, mm. and that's where adulting comes in. That's where emotional healing comes in. Like how do you become your own parent to yourself? Mm. Right. And then this is what I do every day. I talk to my little child, little Jordan in my brain and like, hey, it's okay. You make yeah. mistakes. Because when I make mistakes, I could be so harsh on myself. I could like, fuck, so stupid. How dare you? How did you? You know, like, and then like, oh, oh no, 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 no. It's okay. You make mistakes. Yeah. And I, I touch my heart and then I really just like rub and caress my body. Like, no, 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 it's okay. And that's where the learn, the unlearning and relearning step in in my life. Like, right. I begin to reparent myself. And I did the same to my coaching clients. Like, how do you want to show up differently for yourself? Because you can't rely to your parents anymore. I mean, maybe only a slew chance that my, our parents will change, but it's really just on us changing that people around us will, keep, will start changing as well. Hmm. Wow. I, I, I got goosebumps when I heard that, that we could be our own parents because a lot of us, um, like you say, maybe 60% of us grew up in a very not secure parenting style and that caused so much anxiety pain and suffering in our childhood and knowing that we can't go back to change our past anymore and they did the best they could but we could show up for ourselves in the way that we want and that's where self-love comes in and but just the concept of parenting ourselves it's it's uh it's it's, it's very in, in exciting to hear that you yes you can't change the past but you can you can be your own parents now show up for yourself in the way that you want and care for yourself, love yourself in the way that you've been wanting from your parents. And that now you get to give that to yourself. So yeah, thanks for bringing up that, that, that concept. And um, yeah. I, yeah, I, something you mentioned about ayahuasca, I think it's just, it just shows how much like as much as we try to distract ourselves uh, to put up the shield and armor to be to act strong like these emotions like don't they they don't just disappear <laughs> they they <laughs> they store in the body bro <laughs> yeah, they, yeah the body keeps keeps the score as much as we think exactly. oh we're fine and that was that was my pattern all the time i was like 
all, this persona that I, I put up in the put out in the world was like, oh, this guy who's like happily go lucky all the time. Like nobody will ever see me cry or like angry. But having done also a lot of work, like man, I also cried so much during plant medicine. Like even just in a space where I'm allowed to just be, and and that's the, and and the amount of extreme emotions, the rage, the sorrow that came up for just allowing my body to express when it should be expressed. It's just insane. Just shows me how much that has been suppressed in the body. And a lot of us are still walking this planet without that realization. And that manifested in many really toxic ways, like violence in the way people bully each other and not yeah. being able to accept each other. So yeah, man, it's really important work that everyone needs to to do to unlearn and to to show up for themselves, to parent themselves in the way that gives them the most love that they need, um, the, 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 the most that the body needs. Um, right. And then I think one thing to add there, Edric, like I think we forgot structure of our brain. It's still very reptilian. It's mm. on we homo sapiens, the latest species of homo uh, of of humans on this planet, I mean the Homo neanderthals already um, extinct. We Homo sapiens are only about like I forgot what Yuval Harari said, the historian. Like only mm -hmm. about a couple thousand years ago, the frontal lobe, which is the neocortex where logic and rational came in, started to develop. So of all our evolutionary history, most of our survival and most of our brains the way we connect and see the world it's super emotional it's super primal so that means it's 90 percent of our brain is still very emotions it's just emotions mm -hmm. most of subconscious like the eyes wow. of the ice the, the the tip of the iceberg you know that's the logic that you use every day to sort of plan analyze and then and then think and and what is it like process emotion emotion uh, information cognitively the rest mm. are emotions so this is what i keep do, saying to a lot of my clients as well when I do workshops and when I do uh, coaching like we are feeling beings that think we're not thinking beings that feel and that will switch <laughs> the way we see ourselves like okay what emotions right. do I feel right now that make me think this way instead of like oh like blaming and then trying to sort of overanalyze no 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 just come back to our body like where do you feel the anger where do you feel that frustration where do you feel that confusion where do you feel mm. that neutrality of emotion? Where is it? In your chest, in your shoulder, in your neck? Because we are still this body like of the product of our great, 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 great ancestors that yeah. haven't changed that much. Yeah. We're not robots yet. And then somehow we live in this hyper growth technological disruptions, but our bodies still remain this ancient, ancient, ancient beings, you know, like. And yeah. that's where the gap is. This is why social media causes anxiety and frustrations and, and, and insecurities and even cause even suicide and conflict because we're not catching up with what yes. machines and technology and, and reality yes. of the world have already, you know, like come into. Like, I think there is a, a quote, I forgot. We live in, um, we live in um, God-like technologies, medieval <laughs> yeah. institution, and ancient biology or something like like we yes. are there is like huge huge gap in how we now live as a humans and how we also live in this planet with the technology that we are surrounded with and with the government yeah. that are now governing us and that's where yeah. like i'm trying to sort of find a sort of like my place right now like how do i balance my relationship with technology 
with mm. issues in the world that I'm, I used to be really concerned about. I used to work for the government, right? So I, I still care about the social issues. And then now how I, I also come back to myself and feel embodied and, you know, like feel at peace with whatever is going on. And I think that's mm. where the art of living comes in for me. Like, oh, mm. okay. Like I used to be super cognitively, you know, like competitive about like, how do I solve the world? How do I change the world? No, dude, just right. change yourself. <laughs> like, yes. Change yourself and everything will change around you. And it's so true. It's like, it was so cliche, but like when I start doing it, I'm like, wow, it is magically true. Yes, yes, so true. Um, so much resonance in what you say. And first of all, around the technological development, about how technology has been growing exponentially. But like our human development our consciousness development has it's been only growing in a very analog pace and it's not catching up. And that's what's causing so much anxiety uh, for a lot of us not being able to cope with this crazy, incredibly uh, terrifying amount of change that we're seeing in this world. And secondly, what's around how creating that inner change first before trying to change, being so busy intellectually, trying to figure out how to change the world. Because if we are not, healing ourselves and changing what was broken and what what needs to be needs to be attended to in the inside whatever that we're creating in the outside will always come from that place of lack and this this can really be seen in the way the the values of the creation and how a lot of the things that companies produce today are exploiting the planet they're overly competing with one another and the politics we're seeing, this all work, it's, it's, it's all from the source of that place of not healing their own trauma and their own pain. So uh, that's the message that I wanted to just take from you and really just ripple out to the world. Like, don't stress so much about how, what's the biggest change you can do in this planet if we haven't even thought about, have we done enough to, to heal ourselves? and make yeah. that positive yeah. change in ourselves exactly so exactly. yeah thank you for that message and i know uh we're coming to the end of the podcast episode so i want to want to give you some time to share if there's like one thing that you want people to walk away with from your life journey when you look back and where you are now like what will that one message be i think my message to all hyperachievers is start permitting yourself to feel and reflect first. I think mm. we hyperachievers tend to have a pattern of hyper, like overanalyzing and overthinking stuff first and never really actually feel what is the emotional consequences mm. of those thoughts that we had, right? I think by mm. permitting ourselves to just take a little bit of rest from achieving some things will allow us to go deep back to our body, to our emotions, and then to what we really mm-hmm. feel inside. And in the end of the day, like what we're looking for is just love and acceptance and belonging from people that we care. And mm-hmm. if we don't do the work of reflections, God knows when you're gonna hit the burnout and then you're gonna yes. hurt yourself right like because at some point the body will tell you the body is so smart and intelligent 
and so wise, it will still let the brain governs everything until mm. it really hit the point of like point of no return. Someone had a burnout or get a cancer, get a autoimmune disease, whatever. Like the body will really tell you. Yeah. And it would just be too late. Not, it's not too late. It would just be too unfortunate to reach that burnout mm-hmm. to start rethinking about what we're doing with this overachieving and hyperachieving journey that we find yeah. ourselves unaware of. Because maybe, because it is, it's sometimes hyperachievers are not aware that they are hyperachievers or maybe they're aware, but they don't care enough to change it. So yeah. if you listen to this podcast <laughs> or if anyone hyperachiever listen to the podcast, just start with the self-awareness and start with the emotions. What do I feel? I think that question changed my life a lot. Like I start my journey because somebody asked me, how do you truly feel? <laughs> and I usually answer, well, I think, no, no, no. That's what you think. <laughs> What do you feel? I don't know what I feel. Yes. <laughs> like, apparently, it's a lot of sadness, a lot of anger, a lot of frustrations, right? It's because truly the deep, one of the deep wounds of hyperachievers is not being seen for who they are and not being yes. loved. So, and that comes with anger, sadness, and all these negative emotions. So by attending to those emotions, everything was turned around. I, I guarantee mm-hmm. you, by mm-hmm. attending to what needs to be attended, it usually yes. is your emotions you will have a different, different way of seeing and perceiving the world. That's it. So, so beautiful. I got goosebumps because I just resonated so much. And thank you for that beautiful message and wisdom. I also, throughout this whole conversation, I just found myself feeling so much catharsis in your journey because I resonated so much and just it's so good to hear someone like you could come up from the other side, just realizing and being able to step back and see where your direction is headed to and whether it or not is aligned with what can truly makes you feel happy and fulfilled. And I also walked away with the lesson of really just allowing ourselves to slow down and for all the high achievers out there, just realizing really that all we're trying to do at the end of the day is going back to love and belonging. All this chasing and overachieving is just a disguise to get they're all just means to an end so why do we need to go like all this like spiraling route why don't we just get to the final destination of of just let's get straight to love let's get to it and also the idea of yeah not to achieving is not a a bad thing i don't people want to walk away with uh, the idea of oh maybe i should just slack off which is not the case and you have highlighted which is achieving with a sense of deeper meaning, purpose, a sense of safety, security, wholeness, and acceptance. You could be doing the same thing. You could still be ambitious and achieving a lot in your life, but from that place of I'm enough, I'm loved, and whatever that I'm creating here is just an extension of my wholeness, my wholesome being, and my wholesome uh, expression. So I just want to thank you so much again, Jordan, for just spreading this beautiful, beautiful message that I think a lot of people in today's world needs to hear and for doing your work, uh, helping leaders who have this voice and influence and will be the role models for a lot of people. Uh, they will look up to these people. And if we could change from the, the top and, and be letting them be the models for many other people, that is when this big ripple effect of change could happen and creating this society that's more compassionate and kinder and loving to each other. I'll make sure to leave your 
uh, contact details and website in the description. I'm sure after hearing this, a lot of the higher achievers will be curious to work with you. So make sure to leave uh, the, your contact information in the description. Thank you, Edric. It was a pleasure, man. I'm glad that you summarized it really, really succinctly. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. It was such a pleasure to have this conversation with you, Jordan. <laughs>